0: You're listening to the Oaks Church, a faith family located in Denham Springs, Louisiana. For more information about the Oaks, visit oaksonline.org.: Good morning. Hope everybody's doing well. I want to welcome to the Oaks if you're new here. Uh, as I've read through the scriptures this week, uh, I was challenged personally. That's what the Scripture should do to us. As we read, the Word causes us to see our true selves. It causes us to see who we really are based upon the truth. And so, as I read these two verses, mainly these two verses, the Spirit just kept getting me to ask this question about myself. And I think it's a good question for all of us to ask. And it's good to reflect and examine and to really look in our lives and see if we're living out the Word that we have and that we read every day. The question is, do you, do we, do we live in such a manner, in such a way, that the world... That unbelievers, when they look at us, they see hope. Do you live, do we live in such a way that when we are at work, that when we are at our home, that when we are out to eat, that wherever we go, that when people look into your lives, that they potentially have the opportunity to find Christ. Now that's that's a tough question, and that's a question that's that's that everybody should be asking, especially based upon this scripture. But as we live life here on earth, this temporary place that we live, short. God has called us to bring glory to His name. And that should be our desire. But if we live for the things of this world and we look exactly like the world and the people of the world and unbelievers, how can we be a picture of hope? Hope is when we find something or someone that satisfies us completely and we need no other to satisfy or nothing else. And the things of this world, if you've lived long enough, if you truly sought them out as your hope, they never Satisfied. You always search for more. You're always seeking for more. But when Christ finds you and rescues you and you truly experience that hope and His goodness and His grace you truly find hope. You truly find satisfaction that nothing else in this world can satisfy, which changes the way we live. Because if nothing else satisfies the way Christ does, we live for Christ. We live for Jesus and His name. We live for the things that are not seen, but that are unseen. And here in this, these two verses, we see two things that are very important to Peter. One, the salvation of souls. And two, the glory of God. The salvation of souls and the glory of God. And if you experience this world for long enough, you understand that those two things are not important. They're not important to the one who doesn't know Christ. It doesn't concern them. They have not yet experienced the goodness of God. So they don't, they're not concerned about the salvation of others. They're not concerned about the glory of God. And so let's read 1 Peter 2, verses 11 and 12. Peter writes, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul." Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. So the first thing Peter urges these people to do, he urges them to be foreigners, to live as foreigners and exiles. This is a spiritual thing to live as foreigners and exiles of this world. This is not home. And the more we're reminded that this is not home, that this is not our final place, that this is just a short time, a vapor, as James would say, the more that we realize that, And understand that we have a place to sit with Jesus and to experience Him with no sin in all of His goodness, and all of His glory. We live as exiles. We live as foreigners on this place. But here's the thing. We are here now. We need to live in this world, but not of it. So, as we live, we live with the intention of being with Jesus for the rest of eternity. With these people around you. The people of God. But, we're here now for a purpose. And the purpose is for God's glory. We're here to express and magnify the glory of God. We are His workmanship. We are His people. We are a royal priesthood. Holy nation set apart for God and His glory. Do we believe that truth? Do we believe those things about who we are in Christ. Because that establishes the foundation upon which we go out into this world and we live for Christ. If we don't have the foundation that we are founded in Christ, and we have an identity in Christ, and we are significant in Christ, we can never truly walk in this world as exiles and foreigners. Because our desires are for the things this world, which will all pass away. Everything of this world will pass away, but the things of God and the Word of God will remain forever. And so I want you to be encouraged by the truth of God's Word that the things of this world are just temporary. The houses we build, the money we make, the fame we have, the people that are satisfied in us, all those things are temporal. The things that matter, the things that, that are significant, are important, are things of God. They're things that aren't seen. And so, he urges as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. So what he's saying is that as believers, we still have the flesh coming at us. And there's a war to fight. We all know this. We're here. We experience the flesh and the battle of the flesh and its desires that we have. But he says, Abstain, abstain from sinful desires. These desires can be overcome. They're not neutral. These things can be overcome, but only by the spirit of God. Only by the spirit of God. See, the spirit and the flesh—they wage war. They're in conflict. But you must walk in the Spirit in order to not walk in the flesh. And see, that's a great promise we have in Galatians. It says, walk in the Spirit and you will not walk in the flesh and the sinful desires of your heart. You will walk in the things of God if you walk in the Spirit. So the question for us is, how do we walk in the Spirit? And the first thing you have to ask yourself is, do you desire to be obedient to God? Because you can hear the Spirit. You have the Spirit in you as a believer. But if you hear the Spirit and are disobedient, you can never walk in the Spirit. But those who desire to be obedient Those are the ones who will walk in the Spirit. Those who love the Word. Who truly seek the face of God and ask for Him to reveal the truth and what He has for us. In Ephesians it says that God has has good deeds for us from the foundations of the earth. He has set you apart for His work before the foundations of the earth. For He created this. He knows you and He knows what He has for you. And He gave us His Spirit to walk in the things He has for us. But we must fight. We must fight with the Spirit of God in us. Because the flesh will always win if we are not walking in the Spirit. The flesh will always end up winning. So he says, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. And that will make you look like exiles and foreigners in this world. You will not look like everyone else who loves the things of this world. You will look different. And, and let me just say something. We don't need to be afraid of looking different or holding to the to, to truth. We need to stand firm on what we believe because we are called to do so. God has set us apart to do so. But any moment of looking different kind of pushes people back and says, ah, let me just do it this way so I don't look different. So people don't call me out. That happens in the workplace all the time. And then at that point, if, you're, if you are different, what they're going to do is they're going to call you evil. You hear it Now, if you don't believe in same-sex marriage, you're evil. That's not moral to the world. We believe that God made us. Humanity. Not for same-sex marriage. And we must stand on that. This is a social issue. And this is what Peter's going to start talking about. He's going to start talking about rulers and governors. And how do we... How do we live in such a manner like he's talking about here that when they look in, they see hope. They see something different. They see a way that's beautiful. Morally beautiful. And it leads them to Christ. So don't be afraid. Have confidence. No fear. That we are different. And that's the way God has made us, He has called us from that. We are called out of darkness into light. Those are two completely different things. The light completely takes out the darkness. It overcomes it. Darkness never overcomes light. There are two sides of the spectrum when you look at them. They can't even exist together. And so if He's called us from darkness into light, We're called to look different, but for a reason. He says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. So he's saying that the way you live proclaims the gospel. The way you live can lead someone to Christ. But I think it, it's connected to, in First Peter, the same letter, First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So we live in such a manner, in such a way, with the the deeds and the, the things that God has set before us, we live in such a manner that people, when they look at us, they see hope. And the moment they ask us, we need to give them the hope we have. But we also see above verse 11, In verse 9 it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. We are to declare, to proclaim the excellencies of God. I think about the Psalms. Psalm 145. David praised this psalm to God. And this is what he prays. He says, I will extol, exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another generation. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. You hear David's prayer. He has experienced the goodness and the greatness of God. The majesty. He knows God is good. He is loving all the great things about God, the excellencies of God. We must proclaim them. So with our mouths, we should proclaim them. That generation, Your children should hear the grace of God in your life. We should tell our children and our wives and our husbands, we should tell them of the excellencies of God, the goodness of God, our experience of God's grace daily. Because what that does is it glorifies the name of God. And it shows that He is good to us. But if we never tell our children our experience of God and how good He is, they'll never maybe know. But if we proclaim the praises of God and the excellencies of God, it is so good. It's a calling on every mother, father, and child. Proclaim the goodness of God. If you've experienced His goodness, proclaim it. So, back in 1 Peter chapter 2, living good lives so that when people look at us, the people who are of the world, even though they accuse you of doing wrong, sounds familiar. Sounds like Jesus, righteous, not one wrong thing, no sin. He lived perfectly, and they accused him of evil, blasphemy. They accused him of doing wrong. And it says that they accuse you for doing what's really right, but they accuse you of doing wrong. Live in such a way that they will see the hope. It doesn't say defend yourself, it doesn't say tell them what they need to hear. It says, live such lives that the longer they see it, they desire the hope that is in you, which is Christ. And so ask yourself. Do you live in such a manner, in such a way, that when people look into your life and they see the way you live, they see the way you're generous with your time and resources and money, the way they see the way bad things happen in your life or something's going wrong, the way you the way you approach that, if it's with peace and not anger or persecution a peaceful persecution or or something tragic happens in your life you go through it with peace and hope those are the things that when the the people of this world when they look on and they look into your life hopefully through proclaiming the good goodness of God and the greatness of God and living a life that proclaims the goodness and greatness of God they will ask and say what's different what do you why are you so different than me why do you live this way it's beautiful to me i want what you have i want your hope i want your peace i want the way you just give to people because your hope isn't in money or things you just You give generously. When your hope is in Christ and Him alone, you live completely different. And so, lastly, it says, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. I'm not really sure what that means. Um, The day He visits us, I guess it probably means that when Jesus comes back. But it also could mean. The day he visits them. To save them. I've heard both. But it, it, it sounds to me. Just when I read it. That it probably means the day he visits us. The day Christ comes back. That the day that Christ comes back. They have experienced Christ. And because of what he's done in you. He has used you. That when Christ comes. They will glorify Him. So we must live in such a way that not only we glorify the Father, and we glorify the Son, and we glorify the Spirit, but that when people look in, they see our hope, and we can tell them of our hope, and then they will glorify God. That's how amazing God is. Grace is that it's a trickle-down effect that when He saves one, He uses that one to proclaim and to live in such a manner that others can experience His grace as well. We are called to be on mission, to proclaim it with our mouth, and to live in such a way that when people look in, the day Jesus visits us, the day Christ comes back, Those people that were not of God are now of God because we were obedient to what God had for us. and We desire to walk in the Spirit and tell them of the hope that we have. So I want to challenge you. Maybe you're struggling in that. Maybe you struggle with looking different or being different. You're you're afraid or there's, there's fear. Be honest with God. Ask God to change you, to change your heart, to change your... Ask the Spirit to move you to righteousness, to holiness. Ask God for forgiveness if you've been living in such a manner. Because there's the opposite side. If you don't live for Christ, you may defame the name of Christ. You may drag His name through the mud. Because when people see you and you say, I've been forgiven. I know Christ. God has done a work in me. And you live in such a way that there is no hope. You live with the hope of the world. When they look at you, they say, why would I want that God? It has both sides. So we need to ask God for His help. Ask Him In His Spirit and the Word to do a work within His people, to do a work within us, that as we live in this community and the communities around us, that people will come to Christ because we are the hope, we are the light, we are the salt. Jesus has called us not to just sit and be saved. He has called us For His glory. As the band comes up. I'm going to pray. Feel free to express. In worship. Praying with one another. Coming to the altar and praying. Wherever the Lord is leading you. However the Spirit is guiding you. Let's ask the Lord for, for help. Because we need Him. We need Him to fulfill. These things in us. So let's pray.